our provider. He is our healer. He is great. You are worthy to be praised, Lord Jesus. We give you glory and honor tonight in the house, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. He is great and worthy to be praised. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for your worship tonight. So thankful for the uh, two that were baptized on Sunday. Amen. Seeing people being baptized in the house. Pray when we make that call. Anyone here, whoever shall hear, if you need baptized, we, anytime we got water here, we can heat it up just like that. We are good to go. So I'm thankful that the Lord moved in that service and each and every one. We look forward to more of this. Amen. More baptisms, more being filled with the Holy Ghost, welcoming people into God's kingdom. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. One more prayer request I wanted to bring before you tell you. Remember, Brother Chuck back is going to be having surgery on the 18th. Is that right, brother? Procedure. Okay. Procedure on the 18th. We just continue him in prayer as well. Uh, we're going to pray for you as well. Just keep you in that God has his way um, and keeps his hand upon that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're in the youth class, you can go ahead and be dismissed in Jesus' name. The rest of us, if we want to turn our Bibles, go ahead and uh, turn to uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19, we're just going to be reading a couple verses from here, verses 1 through one through 13 here. Amen. 1 Kings, there we go. 1 Kings 19, verses 1 through 13 says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of those by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, and he came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. And he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and requested for himself that he might die, and said, Is it enough now, O Lord? Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him, and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And then the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose, and he did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat for forty days and forty nights unto Herob and the, the mount of God. And he came thither into a cave, and he lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, am only left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth, and stand before the mouth of the Lord. And he said, And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break it into pieces into rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after a fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in the mantle. He went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? Tonight I want to talk to us on the topic of come get out of the cave. Come get out of the cave. Let's pray here before the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you would touch the remainder of this service. I pray, God, that you would touch our hearts and minds, prepare to receive your word here tonight, that our hearts would be sensitive to what the man of God has to say to you tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint my lips, God, anoint my mind to speak the words that you have given, Lord, that would bless this congregation, that you would have your way in this service here tonight, I pray. We will be receptive to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And let the church say amen. 
Thank you for standing. I appreciate you may be seated in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We see here in 1 Kings the prophet Elijah. Many of you have heard this story before and many other stories of Elijah. is one of my favorite prophets in the Bible just because so many great and wonderful miracles have happened through him. Uh, and it's really he's a man like no other that's described in the Bible. Um, because it's at his word alone, he would command things to do and God would honor it and would cause it to happen. At his word alone, God stopped the rain for three years. And Elijah's word again, the rain came back. At his word, God let fire fall from heaven. And at his word, 400 priests of Baal were slain. Elijah spoke, and the secret sins of Ahab and Jezebel were brought to light for all to see. See, God used him in a mighty way. That's no denying that in the Bible, because we can see by the mighty works that God listened to him, and God honored his request. But even this mighty man of God, this wonderful prophet that did great and mighty things, was susceptible to the tricks of the devil. He was acceptable to him, and it was only one short step away between finding himself bound up in the spirit and bound up and on the run. We see in our scripture text here that Jezebel, let's just say he had a, she had a warrant out on for Elijah. She said, I see what you did to my prophets. I see what you did to my idols and all these things. And guess what? If the, I will be dead. If not by tomorrow, I'm going to find you, and I'm going to kill you. She was determined to have his head on a pole if she ever caught him. Now, I don't know. I mean, I can sympathize with Elijah. If someone was after me, I'd be kind of scared too as well. Now, knowing that God is an almighty God, it was just, you know, a couple whatever it was days ago that he destroyed all this. Today is a new day, and I didn't have my head on a pole, you know, two days ago. So Elijah had defied her idol gods and the false priests. It was when he came from that mountain of victory. He just had this wonderful experience in God, that this wonderful things that have happened and this, just an outshowing of God, just showing himself, now we'll see who the real true God is. It's after seeing this wonderful victory that he enters into the, one of the deepest valleys of depression that he's had in his entire life. And that seems like it just in the world sometimes as well as Christians. Sometimes we can have a wonderful victory, a breakthrough, shout down, shout your hair down if you have hair, bobby pins everywhere, you're, you know, you're filled of the spirit on Sunday, you're fighting the devil left and right, Monday comes and boom, it hits you. And it could be maybe just that day, hopefully it's just that day, and it doesn't make your whole week uh, horrible until you get back into the house of the Lord. But it seems as soon as we have those victories and we have this breakthrough in God that things start to happen. Things in the spiritual world start to happen and come against us. And he went from being a mighty man of God, performing these signs and these wonders to a man filled with self-pity, withering in agony of the deep, dark depression under an old juniper tree. I come to tell you tonight, none of us are immune to this type of great, of this type of great depression in our lives. None of us are. We can, no matter how spiritual the most, you know, Brother Bernard, one of the, you know, the great men of our organization, however, the most spiritual person in your mind is still human. He's still human. It's still susceptible to these attacks of the devil, this depression that comes upon us. And it really depends on, it could be depressed for just, like I said, maybe hopefully a day, a little while, but sometimes that depression, that can last much longer time. Because you see, it's easy going down. It's easy going down in that dark valley when we're, you know, we're sitting so high. And, it, you know, sometimes it takes struggle to get to the top of the mountain, right? Where, you know, you're getting up there and you finally had your victory. But coming down, whew, that could be a slippery slope all the way down. And it's coming out of that dark valley that never seems easy sometimes. It truly requires a walk of faith, trusting in God to be faithful. 
You see, in our own human strength, it's nearly impossible, but with God, all things are possible. We can rise much quicker if we put God in the equation and don't just do it on our own here, amen? And I want to make it a note here where, you know, just a quick talk of, while we're talking about depression here, I, I want to make a note that there are different kinds of this depression as well. I do believe that depression can be brought on by spiritual forces and attacks of the devil on our minds and in our lives. And that can come on supernaturally. But I also know that there can be chemical imbalances. There can be things in our physical bodies that can cause depression in our lives. And I just point this out because sometimes we may think to ourselves, you know, I'm in this depression, but Lord, my, my walk of my walk of faith has been strong, right? I've been walking in you. I've been having these things. What is going on with, you know, these, these attacks you may feel? And it may be something spiritual, but it may be something physical that's going on as well. In either situation, we still need to pray. Amen. We still need to pray. We need to reach out for help because God can help us through those times. But we need to be sensitive in the spirit to know and especially when we're praying for other people, when they say, I'm feeling depressed. Well, it may not be a supernatural thing that's going on. Maybe there's something else that's there. And we can be sensitive in, in our prayers and knowing how uh, best to help them in Jesus' name. Uh, and being sensitive to that, I'm sure that could be a whole class on its own when talking about uh, being sensitive when praying for the ones that I would love is, you know, Sister Melissa or someone talks about counseling can go ahead and preach that. I'd be great uh, to sit under that. Amen. <laughs> Mark that one down for later. Um, so back to Elijah anyways. I want to talk, just mention that quickly on about depression. It's not always spiritual in Jesus' name. There, we can receive help in Jesus' name. So back to Elijah. At this time, Elijah had a visitation from the angel of the Lord. He gave Elijah food and water so that he can regain his strength. I always, I, I've seen memes going around the internet as well that says, I wonder, I, it's, it's awesome when Elijah was having a bad time, you know, Jesus, or God basically told him, you know, eat some food and take a nap. It's going to be, it's going to be okay. That was, that was his prescription there. Eat some food, go ahead and rest, take a nap. Um, but to each of us, what he gave to give strength, he gave exactly what Elijah needed because that food sustained him for another 40 days, a 40 days of this simple food. And it means that in our time of needs, when Jesus, uh, when, we, when we need him the most, Jesus knows exactly what we need when we're in those valleys, when we're in those hard times. He knows where we are. He knows what we need. Jesus comes in and gives us the bread of life that we can feed on daily. He gives us the infilling of the Holy Ghost and the water of the Word. You see, these are food and drinks that will be needed by all overcomers, not just by things of the spiritual, or things of the physical, but things in the spiritual realm, the bread of life, the infilling of the Holy Ghost and water of the Word in Jesus' name. God knows our limitations that are in our flesh when we're in our dark times. He knows our mental state and what we can get through. He knows because in his own personal experience, when he was down here on earth, he had similar attacks in his mind. If we think that Jesus wasn't attacked in his mind when we were here, we are sorely mistaken. It was on when about the day before he was going to go to the Calvary that he prayed, Lord, take this cup away from me if it is your will that I would not have to drink this. Meaning this is not, my, this is not what my physical man wants to do. I know what is your will and I know what I'm going to do, but this is not what my human frail flesh wants to do. We face those troubles every day and sometimes we're so filled with self-pity so far down in the dumps that God has to come down to us more than once to feed us with his word. 
to feed us with the Spirit. Sometimes it's not just a one, you know, I came on Sunday or I came on Wednesday and I heard a word and that, that was it. Sometimes it's a, it's a process that we're going through, coming out of the valley, coming out of the cave. It's a daily walk with him that, Lord, I know times are not looking good right now. Times are, lot, are, are dark around where I am, but I can feed on your word, God. You said what is in your word is true, and I'm going to continue trusting in you by eating of your word and filling of your spirit, even though it seems dark all around me. I believe that's why Jesus told us in Hebrews 10.25, it said to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. I believe it said that because he didn't want us to be in the cave by ourselves. The Lord has designed his church so that none of us have to go through it alone. God knows that we gain strength from one another and not just by our own walks in him. Amen. We, go, we draw strength when we're here. That's why this whole pandemic with COVID, so many of the feeling, you know, just being away from each other, not just in, the, just in church, but away from other human beings, not having that, that connection by separating us and isolating us. That so many of us, they said, like, we felt weak. You know, we just felt like disconnected from everyone that there was, you know, we're having trouble getting through it. That's because there's strength in numbers. That's why there's strength. You know, I'm not, you know, if I'm going through trouble, I know there's people here that are, are prayer warriors, that they can pray for me. You know, I can talk to one of them and they can encourage me. I'm just, they can give me a word and we can come together. We can fight it together. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. God knows we gain that strength from one another. Feeling that family and, and uh, community belonging to something that's greater than ourselves. It's just a fact of life that those who are not faithful to gathering with the church, they rarely continue their walk with God. I'm not saying it's impossible, not at all. But I'm saying that signs will tell if you see someone that stops going to church completely, not going anywhere else, it doesn't seem very long that they're not, they walked away from God. And the reason this is because Satan is quick to try to steal the victory that you won by being not in the church. Satan's number one goal, his number one goal in the life of a Christian is to return with a vengeance to destroy the life of the believer and get them to walk away. Any weakness that he can find in their spirit or in their life, in their, their daily walk, he's going to take advantage of that. And when we're not being renewed with coming together with one another, but being connected with God, they find that weakness and he can exploit it. That's what enemies do. They're great at exploiting weaknesses. To be strong and come together. Zero. Miss my water. It's all good. <laughs> um, it's, it's also that we're, it's also a fact of life when we come together as a body of believers, when we come together in the church, we're bound together also in love and in unity as well. Because what it comes down to is I need you. I need you. I need you. I need all of you. And you need me as well. We all need one another for encouragement for accountability, for strength to continue on. As that, you know, that song says, we are all, you know, we're all together in this, right? You're my brother. You're my sister. If we're brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to depend on one another in Christ and not be isolated alone. We have to have unity in the church. We have to have unity and love for one for another because that's how we're going to make it through when our spirit fails. We can look at someone else and say, I've, I've seen them. They've had a hard life or they've gone through some things. But guess what? They're still here. They're still being faithful to the Lord. They're still being faithful even after we've talked, when I found out about some of their rough times. They're still here. If they can do it, then I can do it as well. Amen. So we need one another. We walk with the Lord. Without that faithfulness to God, that gathering of the church, it's hard to carry on with him. Ooh, thank you very much. Appreciate that. So God gave Elijah 
the strength for the journey that he needed for those 40 days. He gave what he needed, but as time of distress, it had not ended after the 40 days. He was still having a hard time. He was still on the run, traveling in the darkness. He was hiding in plain daylight, scared for his life, always on the move because he knew that Jezebel, the enemy, was still after him. Finally, Elijah found a cave, found a place of solitude, a place of darkness, of hardness. It was in this place when he was alone. And I feel like sometimes in the church that church people can find our own version of a cave, a spiritual cave where no one can reach us. They move back into their shell of hardness, into this darkness of their own doubts and fears because we're feeling either people have let us down before or maybe we've prayed, we thought in our minds something was going to happen, we prayed for God and it, and it didn't come to pass and we took it as something personal that God, you must, you must hate me for not answering this way. We, rec- we uh, recede into our own personal caves. We don't want to open up to anyone and we prefer to fight our battles alone and not depend upon the church, not depend upon others as well, because we don't trust anyone. And church, I'm here to proclaim that that is nothing but a trick of the devil. That is nothing but an absolute, those words that we get spoken into our minds when we're in that time of depression, that time of darkness, that don't worry, those church people, they don't love you. Those church people, they're no good. No, we are humans as well. I'm not saying the church people are perfect by no means, but we need one another, and that's a trick of the devil to, to believe any of that. Because he knows if we fight alone, we can't defeat him. So he forces us into a place of internal solitude where no man can speak into our lives, or no woman can, can speak into our lives, and he can't get to us. It continually points a finger of shame and of guilt on us to keep us away. The Bible says that Satan is a lion seeking who he may devour. If any of you have seen nature documentaries, are family loves them, so we're all about them. But if you ever see a lion stalking his prey, he doesn't go after the, you know, whatever, the king antelope, the head antelope, right? They're not going after the strongest ones that just got out of college and they're fresh and strong. And No, he's going after the weak, the weakest ones that are hiding in the back that can barely keep up with the track, the ones that are kind of struggling on the struggle bus. Those are the ones that the lions are going after because they see a weakness that's in there. But what sometimes what the other animals will do, they'll go stay behind and protect those ones. Keep them in the inner circle. Protect those animals that are the weakest and perform a perimeter around them so the lion or the other animals cannot get to them. That's what the church should be. That's what the church should be. Say, I see that you're hurting. I see that there's weakness in there. Let's go around with angels. Let's cover you with prayer so that you can be in the middle during this time. And then maybe when you're strong enough, you can move to the outside and someone else can move in and can have prayer that's in there as well. We're going to protect those that are around us and our bodies that are here. But we can't do that if we seclude in our cave. We can't do that if we're in there just trying to fight it all. Do this. I can do it. It's all me. I'm, I'm, I'm in the cave all alone. We can't do it. We need one another. For comparison, and I'm sure many in this room, especially you, Brother Jimmy, you'd appreciate this. I think that uh, in my mind, this is how I think. Now, keep with me. I think that Superman, the way the Christians sometimes think of themselves, is like Superman. Now, keep, stay with me here. So we think of ourselves as strangers in, the, in this earth because we are not from this land. We are bound for heaven bound. This world is not our home, amen? We feel powerful because we are endued with, a, uh, endued with power from on high, considered the Holy Ghost. God has given us the Holy Ghost to fight against these spiritual battles. And when we've anchored our hope in the infallible word of God, and we stand for truth, justice, and God's way any day, amen? So we, we, have the, we feel that we have these powers here on earth. We've been given more than, that God's given unto us. But like Superman, we also have our fortress of solitude. 
because we think that no one, he goes to it when he thinks no one can understand him completely. When this world is against him, he goes, and goes into his fortress of solitude, right? They fly off in their own little hiding place, and we, we find our spiritual bubble, and we maybe stay there for a while. Some stay there for longer than others, and sometimes people never come out of that, which is so sad to see. They're wondering what to do next, but they're bound up in that place. Nothing can get to them, but they can't be effective inside that place. Superman's only effective when he comes out of the fortress of solitude and he comes into the world to actually work. As Christians, in our spiritual ways, we are not effective when we're in our spiritual cave. And, you know, this is not me. I can't, you know, God, you can't help me here. No one can help me. We're not effective in that. We're effective when we come out of that and help our one another, our brothers and sisters in the church, and also our brothers and sisters that are lost in this world. That's when we become effective, when we come out of that cave, when we come out of that and listen for God's voice. Amen. So we find Elijah when he's in this cave. He's in his fortress of solitude, right? He's hiding in distress, rolling around in pity, having no clue what's going on, no one around to help him. But the Lord knew where he was. The Lord knew exactly what he needed. And that could be a life lesson for us as well. When it seems that no one cares, God cares. When no one knows where we are, what we're going through, someone says, how are you doing? Like, oh, you wouldn't even understand. Well, maybe I wouldn't, but God understands. And I don't have to understand to be able to pray for you, amen? I can just know that God can help because he knows where you are. It appears there may be no way out. It's time we look to Jesus. Remember, he's always there. God found Elijah in the cave. And really, he didn't find Elijah. God knew exactly where he was. He never lost sight of Elijah as he was traveling and as he was running away from Jezebel. He knew exactly where his children are at all times, as should we as well. He's closer than a brother. So then the questions arise. Well, what, what does God do to get us to rise up and walk in victory? What methods will God use to speak to us? How, how, how can we hear him? And the answers to these questions vary greatly because we can't put God in a box. You know, God, many people throughout the Bible have tried to like, well, God has done this in the past. Well, yes, he may do that in the past, and he may do that in the future. But God likes to do new things as well. He likes to do new things. We can't just say, well, this, if God doesn't do it this specific way at this specific time, then he's not going to do it at all. No, that's not the case because we can't put him in a box. And Elijah sees this exact same thing. He sees this in 1 Kings 19.11. says, Go forth and stand upon the mount of the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great wind rent the mountains and break in pieces in the rocks before the Lord. The Lord, he wasn't there. He was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. 1 Kings 19.12, And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in the mantle. He went out and stood at the entering of the cave. And behold, a voice came unto him that said, Why doest thou hear Elijah? See, Elijah was searching for answers. He was hungry from God and desiring to be free of this self-made prison that he had put himself in. And how does God answer him? Well, it's interesting the way that this happened. Because God has spoken in many ways throughout the Old Testament. He wanted Elijah to hear, but he knew that Elijah was accustomed to hearing in the old ways. He knew that Elijah had seen and heard and done things before. He, he knew, you know, God, I know you've spoken to me this way in the past. And so when he saw the great things, the fire, the mountain, he knew God had spoke that way before, but that God wasn't in it. 
He was trying a new way with Elijah. He was with a still, small voice. Elijah had to learn that God speaks when God wants to. That God wants to and is never uh, relegated to doing the way that he's done it before. The whole of the children of Israel had, had heard God speak through the fire, the, th- the thunder and the storms upon Mount Sinai. They had heard God through that. Moses heard God through the burning bush, the pillar of fire that led the children of Israel through the wilderness. So for the fire, that surely meant, you know, there's, there's something with fire. God is in the fire. But God wasn't speaking through the fire. He used earthquakes to get the attention of his people, of the children of Israel. When there was a rebellion against Moses in the wilderness, God used an earthquake to show his wrath to communicate his anger with those that oppose leadership of Moses. But earthquakes are even a sign of these last days. It says in these last days there will be plagues, there will be earthquakes as well. God speaks through them that he's coming very soon. And even at the crucifixion of Jesus, the earthquake spoke of God's power and anger at those that did murder him. Isaiah 29 and 6 even speaks that God would speak his great displeasure upon Jerusalem. And his outward sign of that, that were not done of a pure heart. He would speak to them with thunder, with an earthquake, with great noise, with great storm and tempest, and the flame of a devouring fire. So God speaks through it all of these ways. The above verse in Isaiah shows that God uses his power of the wind, the power of the storm, the power of the fire. So it's easy to see that Elijah thought for sure that God was going to be in the wind that the earthquake or the fire, that God would be in these mighty, strong moves of God. He was desperate listening, listening for God. In the Old Testament under the law, that voice of God is often thunderous, right? It strikes terror in the hearts of those that hear him. It's awful in a, a booming voice. We're often made known by the presence of lightning and fire, but God had a better way. I believe this is one of the times, the early hints that God's showing, hey, in the new covenant, Things are going to be done a different way. I can show myself in the thunder. I can show myself in the lightning. I can show myself in the fire, but I'm going to show myself in this still, small voice. And in the upcoming covenant, there will be a difference. I may not always speak in these grand, may, in these grand ways, but I can be able to speak directly. And I can speak with lenience and with grace. It's hard to be sound, angry, and sound, you know, boisterous when you're doing a still, small voice. I'm so mad. You can't do it. You can't be mad when you're whispering. It doesn't work. As long as you got the face to go with it, then you can be mad. Just, I see you. Not that. But it's in that still, small voice that spoke peace unto Elijah. The voice was filled with grace and with mercy and with love for Elijah. God spoke to the prophet and said, come out of that cave, Elijah. Elijah had gone in before, but this time he'd heard from God. You see, too many people come to hear for God. They say, you know, they pray for a certain thing, and maybe they'll pray one or two times, and they don't get what they're asking for. Well, I guess it's not, it's not to be. I'm, I'm done with it. God's not going to answer me. They give up, and they go back into the cave. But you see, we have to keep coming out of that cave. We have to keep coming out and say, God, I'm listening for you. I am waiting for you. What do you need to do, Lord? What do you want me to do? We have to keep seeking, keep praying, and keeping on until we hear that still, small voice speaking because God still speaks today. Some people want to believe that that was for the days of old, that, you know, that, that God spoke to the prophets and God spoke to great men in the Bible, but God doesn't speak anymore today, but that's a lie. God still speaks to his children. 
He still has plans for us while we're still on this earth. We are under a new covenant. And in that new covenant, he may speak in that still small voice if we are sensitive. If we are willing to listen, truly listen, not just speak to God, but listen. Say, God, what is it? I'm going to be willing to come out of this hardness that I formed around me, this shell, because of life has, has trapped me in here. I'm going to come out and say, God, what is it you need? I'm going to reach out to my brother and say, brother, sister, I need you. So I ask you tonight, are you hiding in a spiritual cave here tonight? Does it feel that you've come to the end of your rope? Maybe you're hiding in darkness of your heart, wondering or feeling that God has left you. Maybe you feel that no one cares, that no one knows the trouble that you've seen, so you just come, you go through the motions, and we leave to go home. We wonder which way to turn next. What does God even really want from me anyways? We have more questions than answers with our walk with God. All of these are questions are found in that cave. We often find ourselves in that spiritual moment, in that spiritual uh, place of emotional de- and, and depression. We just need an answer. We, like Elijah, need a word, a word from the Lord. And as musicians come, we all stand here tonight. I just want to ask if any of these fit us tonight, if the Spirit has, has spoken to you during this time, that you've, you've felt that you've maybe recluse some of this time of, of pandemic, this time of uncertainty in, in the Lord, and not knowing which way the, the, the country is going to go, not knowing our, our families are going to go or going to receive us. Maybe we've receded some into that cave, and, you know, we're all, we're all separated. We may feel that we're, we're at least six feet apart, but we're not that far apart. Amen. We're still here for one another. We're still here for our brothers and our sisters. The word is, come out of your cave. Listen for the still, small voice of the Lord. He is speaking to you even tonight, even if you will only hear him. Your time of questioning is over. The time of questioning is over because God has a new direction for you. God has a new way for you here tonight. Elijah came out of the cave and he got his second wind. He went from that cave, and he went and found his student who would take his place, which was the name of Elisha. He found a student to go with him. God still had work for Elijah to do. He didn't just say, here's food for 40 days so that you can live, and I'll continue living. No, here's food for 40 days to get you up and running again. But I have more work for you to do still here on this earth. And while we're here on this earth, we have a mandate from the Lord to go teach, reach, this lost and dying world. So yes, we may be in a time where we're in the valley. We may be in a time where we don't feel as strong as we once were up on the mountain, but God still hears us in the valley. God hears us when we're on the mountaintops. Psalms 89.15 says, Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. Psalms 89.16 says, In thy name shall they rejoice all the day, and in thy righteousness shall they be exalted. We come out of the cave and rejoice in the Lord here tonight. Come out, enjoy the bright sunlight. Even though it may feel dark, there is brightness just on the other side of the hill. There's brightness just across the valley. Experience the mercy and the grace that God has offered here tonight. It's a great day when we come out of that cave. And we hear the wonderful voice of God, his great grace and love. Come out of that cave and rejoice in the Lord here tonight.
as the praise singers, I invite them to go ahead and sing. We have a little bit of time here tonight. I just pray as they sing, when we close our eyes across this building, I want us to search our hearts as well. And if you're feeling that here tonight, if you're feeling that, that feeling of loneliness, that feeling of, of coming in the king, that, the, that we've been separated and disconnected from God, from the situations that have been going on, I pray that we reach out to him tonight. Feel free to lift up your voice and call upon the name of the Lord because he is here in this building tonight. He is ready to restore what was lost unto us and he's ready to speak with mercy and with grace if we're willing to listen, if we're willing to talk to him tonight. Let's pray in Jesus' name here tonight. Hallelujah. Sister Ruth's birthday. <laughs> so, if you, so as you're on your way out, uh, show her love, give her a hug if you're okay with it. Just wave high if you're not. Whatever you want to do, just say happy birthday on the way out.
dismissed.